What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the kingdom. As usual, my name is Drums, and I'm joined by the brothers behind King Golf, Regan and Jordan Headley. This week, we got a special one, folks. We are very, very pleased to welcome to the show a caddy, part-time caddy, a journalist, the host of Any Given Monday podcast, and the man behind the Monday Q Info Twitter account. Uh, everybody, please welcome to the show, Ryan French. Ryan, welcome to the show. Guys, thanks for having me on. Is it snowing Absolutely. in Canada? Yeah. Oh, we're a ways from that. Well, yeah. fingers crossed we're a ways from that yet. Okay. Yeah, it felt like it was about plus 30 today. Unfortunately, we were all uh, stuck inside work, and I don't know. Jordan, did you get around in today? No, but I barbecued, and I felt like doing the pot outside, actually, tonight. It was just, there was not a breath of wind, some sunshine. Honestly, this is perfect temperature for me. So yeah, same. I'm in northern Michigan, so not too far oh, off. And, yeah, oh, this okay, is so. this is perfect. Sweatshirt, vest, weather is my kind of my kind of jam for sure. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, so I guess we'll start off, Ryan. Uh, for for some of our viewers that might not know, uh, can you just start by introducing yourself and explaining what the uh, Monday Q Info account is all about for for like I said, anyone who might not be familiar. Yeah, uh, I uh, I started an account after my son had brain surgery. I was in the restaurant business, uh, had no expectations. I've always been a golf nerd my whole life. Played junior college golf, uh, caddied on many tours off and on. My dad and I did that together um, just as a fun trip. And my son had brain surgery six years ago. I started a Twitter account of just focusing on Monday qualifiers it's evolved into just covering anything below the top 50 in the world, basically, and telling their stories. And I think what we see on TV is a, dis <clears throat> a disproportionate to what 90% of pro golfers live like. You guys know Aaron uh, Cockrell, uh, and like his life is a lot different than what you see on TV. So uh, that's what I cover, men and women uh, in the minor leagues of golf or guys who are on or girls who are on the top tours, but their kind of journey there at, uh, yeah, just what you don't see on TV, basically. And some heavy journeyman like uh, Dick Mast. That's a, yeah. <laughs> lots of interesting stuff about him. <laughs> Absolutely incredible, man. Uh, I, well, as you know, uh, I, I messaged you right from kind of the, the get-go there. I've been following along, telling these guys all bits and pieces of uh, tweets that you've sent out that day and, and following along quite close. So it's actually uh, – we're very honored to have you on the show tonight, Ryan. Thanks for um, asking, guys. Happy to be here. So I guess that that kind of inspired you then to uh, just start documenting and the journeys of the uh, pro golfers there was just you didn't feel like you got enough attention? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I've always been fascinated with minor league sports in general. I, I tell this story every once in a while. I was like, I went to, when I was in the restaurant business, uh, I was in northern or in southern Michigan, and I went to this minor league basketball game at Oliver Miller for any Americans left and like had a good college career was an all American at Arkansas. And he's playing in this tiny little town in this, in the CBA, there was literally 50 fans there. It's like, that's always fascinated me. It's like, what happens to these players? We forget about them as fans. If they're not top of mind, uh, it happens all the time in the golf world. Norman Zhang is somebody I use all the time who just, one last year, but disappeared for two hours, was the best amateur in the world, was supposedly going to be the next Tiger Woods. And 
you know, these guys just disappear. Golf eats them up and the world forgets about them pretty quickly. Uh, and so I've always just focused. I remember when I was young, you know, looking at the bottom of the leaderboard as interested of the people who are there as at the top. And uh, as I got to know pro golf and be involved and lucky enough to do things like caddying and those kind of things, it kind of showed like what a top 10 means, what a, what a made cut means to Aaron, what a, what it, you know, where on the money list he stands. And you guys know that following Aaron, I do that for, you know, golf in general. It's just, there is so many layers. Uh, and I say often that the best stories or the most career changing stories happen, not at the top of the leaderboard, it's happening down the leaderboard. Um, you know, Rory McIlroy winning a, a regular tour event has no effect on his life whatsoever. Uh, but a top 10 that week for a guy who Monday qualified or got a sponsor exemption or wasn't in the next event, that is truly career changing. It can be life changing. And so uh, that's what I focus on. I, I just think there's, I think the game is thought of, this is super heavy. I think the game is thought of on a broad spectrum is like rich kids and those kind of and rich people. And there is plenty of that. I, these guys play golf for a living. I'm not trying to make it out like they have a terrible life. It's just not the reality you see on TV. Uh, and so um, that's what I cover. I think it's important to the game. I think it's important to people watching and fans, casual fans of the game that there is more than private jets uh, and those kind of things. Uh, it's just um, there's a lot of guys grinding their ass off uh, playing on tours you've never heard of. Right. Yeah, like we've talked about on here quite a bit that I don't know what your opinion is, but we don't we've always felt that the PGA does a pretty poor job of promoting their players that are outside that top 15, top 20, like you said. Um, and it's, it should be up to them to create their own superstar by telling yeah. the stories and, and getting in depth like you do. So I think just what you do is amazing. And uh, I know you're not quite alone in, in kind of this this media space but guys like you i think are just going to propel some people that have never been known before into the spotlight and, and have their stories known so uh, i guess thank you from the golf world for doing what you do too yeah thank you guys yeah uh i i use will zalatoris will came off of the corn ferry tour and like finished sixth or something at the u.s open and then finished he wasn't even a pga member and people are all like who's this will zalatoris and i'm just like how does the PGA tour like Will Zalatoris has been the best player in the world since he's been 10 years old. Like how does, how, how are we, how are people like, who is Will Zalatoris? Because that like, again, back to your point guys, unfortunately, and I think they're doing a little better job as the PGA tour focuses on, on 10 guys. Uh, and I understand it in some respects. That's what get the clicks. That's what gets the things. But we, we sure as hell shouldn't be wondering who Will Zalatoris is the first time he showed up. The kid's been good since he's 10 years old. So, uh, right. But there, there's just good stories, uh, a lot of them out there. Yeah, no doubt. And I think my just my comment on that would be uh, we, we always see the people at the top of their career and, and we just think that it kind of happened overnight, but that's so far from the truth. And I think the three of us, especially Reggie, I mean, Reggie's been uh, – following you for a long time but we really appreciate that and uh and like the stories like like seeing the journey there 
And there are, we see, we see a shift. And like you said, the PGA wants clicks. They want sponsors. That's who they have to put in the spotlight to get those dollars. Uh, but there's a huge audience out there um, who, who, who want that kind of story. And I think that, uh, you know, the alternative media, I think that's what you'd probably refer to yourself as, is uh, growing and growing by the year, I think. So it's really good to see. Yeah. Thanks guys. I think uh, again, this is, this is pretty deep, but I think, independent media is important, uh, in general, uh, obviously on a, on a bigger scale and news and those kind of things, but in the golf world, uh, I I'm lucky enough to have some sponsors, but never once have they said, don't write this or don't write that. Uh, and so, and unfortunately, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys who work at mainstream golf media and, and those things happen a lot. You can only write certain things and you can only write about certain players and you can't write this because he wears a logo that, you know, so, yeah, I, I appreciate it. I, there's many great independent golf journalists, Andy Johnson from the Fried Egg and uh, Golf Unfiltered, No Laying Up. But there's a bunch of guys, and I think it's important. Uh, you know, what I cover or what Andy covers or any of these guys is just like uh, I, don't, I don't have to answer to anybody. And so uh, it's, uh, it's important to tell these stories, I think. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. So is this the full-time gig now? It is. Yeah. I'm not sure nice. it's a paying gig too much, but it's uh, <laughs> it is a full-time gig. I just went out on my own. Uh, lucky enough to have sponsors and, and have, again, zero complaints. I tweet and write about golf. I'm sitting behind a new simulator that a, that a company, uh, uh, Golf Tech, one of my sponsors gave me. So trust me, there's zero, zero complaints. Today I hit... Uh, I, I like hit a bunch of balls on the simulator, just doing nothing and, and wrote a story oh, that's, that's right, yeah. super powerful. And I mean, how am I going to complain about that? I'm pretty, sure. pretty okay. lucky. Yeah. Sounds like the dream. Um, maybe just to give a quick, uh, just for anybody out there listening, first of all, we should, we should say hi to anybody who's watching the chat. We usually throw up uh, comments as we go along here. And if there's any questions, we'll try to either work them in at the end or, if it fits in at the time, we'll uh, we'll ask them. So if anybody's in the chat and got any questions, just throw them out there for Ryan. And uh, basically tonight we're going to talk about uh, some of the social media stuff. Is there a train or something? Yeah, not, not on my head. Oh yeah, oh that's um, drums. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Where does that train keep coming from? Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the Monday queue, the process. We'll get into some player stuff. Uh, Ryan's caddying career, some info on that. His social media, his job now. And then the future of Monday Q. So let's jump into uh, the Monday qualifying itself. Can you maybe explain to people um, just the Monday qualifier process, how golfers earn a spot in the field, and uh, how you become eligible to get into the as a mo- Monday qualifier? Yeah. I mean, guys, this is what I love so much. And I use this line all the time and people laugh, but it's true. It's just like there's no free throw contest to join the Lakers for a night, right? Like, and that's what a Monday qualifier is, is like if you have the process is if you have below a 2.0 uh, handicap, you can uh, you can play in a pre-qualifier. The PGA Tour has a pre-qualifier to avoid players that are going to shoot 100 getting into the Monday qualifier. But <laughs> obviously, if you have a 2.0 handicap, you're not going to qualify, but you can go play in a pre-qualifier. Um, and then the... There's, there are certain players that are eligible directly to the Monday players that play in the pre qualifier, a set number gets through there and they play in the Monday qualifier. And then I, again, I say, this is just like, it's the most democratic sport in the world, right? There's no, 
No one tells you that you're too small or too short. You don't hit it far enough. Your wedge game isn't good. Your putting what sucks. You hit a fade, whatever. Go shoot one of the four lowest scores on Monday, and you're going to play in a PGA Tour event. And there's nothing like it in sports. Uh, use this example. Todd Balkin uh, was an assistant pro in Texas, ran a pizza place for a long time. Like, he was a very good golfer, didn't really have the game to be a full-time professional. Uh Worked at the pizza shop, went to the Monday qualifier. He had gotten through the pre-qualifier and, uh, and, uh, and, and gets through the Monday at the Byron Nelson. And he missed the cut by, I think, like nine or ten. And I sent him a message and I just said, like, how was the week? And this was like three or four years ago. And he's like, it's the greatest week of my life. Uh, <laughs> I played with John Sendin. Uh, I met uh, Adam Scott. He was an Australian dude that lived in the United States. And, like, that's – as much as I love the Corey Connor story, Corey was eventually going to make it the Monday qualifier and the win at the Valero sped it up, but it gives players a lifetime. Like Todd's never even wanted to attempt to play professional golf full-time. He knows he's not talented enough to do it, but he can always say he played the Byron Nelson, the greatest tour in the world and, and tell the stories to his buddies. I'm sure he's told it a million times, played a money game with John Sendon or whatever. And so, yeah, that's it. Pay it's entry fees, $500. Uh, you play a very average course. Most of the time, uh, shoot one of the four lower scores and you get a tee time at the Monday at the PJ tour event. What, uh, that's crazy. Where was, where was buddy at that, uh, three through 11 yesterday? That oh yeah. So that was on the Asher tour as a mini tour down. So it's a little bit different on a, on a Monday qualifier. You shouldn't play because there's there's no like your money doesn't help any other players on a mini tour. It's a little different because at least that guy's money is going to the purse. So mini tours are a little more tolerant of it because at least players are benefiting from it. His entry fee right. is going to the winner. So it's a it's a fine line. Yesterday, 115 is a little ridiculous. <laughs> there's almost always a guy who like shows up and shoots 85 or 90. And guys don't, as long as he's quick, they don't really care. They obviously sure. don't want to be paired with him ideally. But, like, again, they call them purse builders. They need him in many tour events. You know, the more guys like that, the better it is for the guys who can actually play. But 115 is a little ridiculous. And he shot, uh, I don't know, he's plus 79 through two rounds because yeah, Mark Baldwin, who I've caddied for, is leading. But, uh, yeah, oh, he's he? plus 79. He's, uh, let's see, he's. He's 92 strokes behind Mark, so he'll need it. <laughs> so he's a two handicap, but shot 115. No, different. This is, yeah, this is, so it's a little bit different. And in, in Monday qualifiers, it happens often. This is why they have pre qualifiers. If you turn pro, you don't have to have a handicap. You don't have a handicap. So, and turning pro means you just click the pro button on the entry. There's no, there's no like announcement or anything. And so what guys like this do is turn pro, then they don't have to turn in their handicap. And no one at their club is like, oh, he played a professional event as a pro, so he's not eligible for the member guests because they don't right. know, right? So if you click pro, that's, that's the cheat code. If you want to play in a pre-qualifier, you just click pro and you're going to play. No matter what you're doing. Yeah. Please don't do that because these guys still got to pay 500 though, eh? I'm sorry? You still got to pay the 500 bucks. Yeah, you still have to pay the 500 bucks. Yes. Gotcha. And so, a lot of guys, I think a lot of guys that do this, that shoot the 112, think that they're going to play like with PGA Tour members on a really great course. 
and pre-qualifiers and Monday qualifiers are often played on super crappy courses or very average courses. Every once in a while, you'll get an okay course, but like at most of the time, you're going to play a very average course and you're never going to hear of the, unless you follow like me or someone else, you're never going to hear of the players that you're going to play with. Now they're <laughs> might be very good, but it's not like you're going to be paired with uh, like Rory, you know? Right. So just to follow up on that a little bit, every tournament uh, there's a, a qualifier at the same course, right? Like it's not like it's it's countrywide or anything like that. Like they're all playing on the same course, probably. Yeah, they're all playing the event. Yeah, they're all playing the same course, but it's not at the PJ Tour event. It's played uh, in the area around it. Usually, right. they try their best to be within an hour because obviously you have to you have to the next day you have to go practice and be on the right at the thing so it's usually within an hour right yeah those are some of the best stories you have is when guys uh they play in their regular events and then have to travel across the country and then yeah. these guys aren't flying first class and they're not uh some of the, some of those stories about rental vehicles and, and rushing from this place to this place and, and and getting there just hours before the tea time and then qualifying right i mean those are those are the cool stories in golf to me i mean they're not riding first class getting to the event and, and getting pampered when they're there they're Boston are asked to get there on Monday and then, and then to get in is, is just shows how much talent some guys have. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, there's been guys who've got in at like three, four in the morning and teed it up at seven and somehow gotten in. It's like, I can't function on four hours of sleep, let alone travel across the country to get up <laughs> after I just played a PJ tour event and then Monday qualify again. It's a, uh, it's a different life. Uh, yeah. I don't think, Again, I, I use the best example, and I know we're going to talk about kidding, but here's the Monday qualifying life in general. Mark Baldwin, good friend, now a partner writer for me and still plays. In fact, is leading the Escher tournament that we were talking about. But we he got an exemption in the uh, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. We, had a, uh, we were paired with Steve Young, the quarterback, as our Pro-Am partner. We played with Peter Jacobson, who had fluff on the bag, and the three – like three of the greatest golf courses in the world, Spyglass, Pebble Beach, uh, Monterey Peninsula. Uh, we had a chance on Sunday to get into a top 10, which would have like changed Mark's life. He doesn't play well. That night, we flew back to Phoenix to play the Monday qualifier, which is played on a very crappy golf course in Phoenix that has mats. Uh, and so Monday morning, we wake up after four hours of sleep go to the Monday qualifier, hitting off mats. And Mark's like, what the hell have just happened in the last 20 hours? <laughs> 20 hours ago, I was teeing it up at Pebble Beach with a chance to change my life. And now I'm hitting off of mats uh, at at this course called McCormick Ranch, which is very average at best. Uh, <laughs> I actually like, played at McCormick Ranch. <laughs> yeah, you have? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like mats yeah. on the tee box? I'm sorry? Like mats off, like as a tee box? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Uh, on the range. They don't. They range. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, on the range. So it's like you go from the, like Pebble Beach is the group. Pebble Beach is. It's a, sim, yeah. it's a, you know, simulation in life. And it's like you go from that to hitting off mats at McCormick Ranch is, is a pretty wild, wild situation. Eye opener. Um, I guess like uh, you talked about how Will's out to us. I mean, for us, um, the media that we see and, and the people we follow, I, I'll be honest like that. It caught me off guard when he came up because we just don't, like you said, 
and we said you're changing that aspect of golf right now where we get to know those players sooner um are there any players that are having major success on tour that went through the Monday queue that you've kind of been following from the start and you're you're not surprised yeah I mean all that? I think a lot of a lot of people again see players and they don't realize the journey there so I mean obviously Corey Connors uh JT Poston changed his life at a Monday Patrick Reed uh uh turned pro Monday qualified six times in 2012 earned enough points that that got him to a, a final uh, the final stage of Q school. He got his PGA tour card and obviously his career took off. Doc Redman, uh, Russell Knox, uh, Chase Seifert. I mean, there's just tons and tons of guys who go to a Monday. And I mean, Ryan Gerard, for those that follow me, mm-hmm. had corn ferry status, Monday qualified in the Honda, finished fourth, is now a temp- is now a member of the PGA tour. So, I mean, it is, I always say it's like, it's just one Monday. Uh, For those that were watching the Fortinet last week, the guy who finished second, and I know there wasn't a lot of, probably no one could name the guy who finished second because Sahith is is a great dude and and a lot of the coverage went to him. But S.H. Kim uh, finished second. Two years ago, he was playing a Monday qualifier on the Korean tour, uh, one was the, got the last spot in the Monday qualifier and won that event. And his career has taken off since then. Like for four years, he was playing on a tour called the Abima tour. The Abima tour is the corn Ferry tour of the Japan tour. So like, I mean, oh. far down the depths of pro golf. Uh, and so and he played president's cup, right? Uh, I don't know if he did or not. I can't. Oh remember. no, no, no! I'm thinking. No, I was, never mind. I was thinking. Kim. Yeah, you're thinking of Tom Kim, but um, uh, yeah, it's just like, you know, one week. A lot of these guys just have talent. You just need it to line up the, the right week. I mean, a Monday qualifier in the Korean Tour is is a long way away from second at the at the Fortinet. <laughs> so, but that's the kind of talent that tees it up at a Monday on the PJ Tour, let alone on the Korean tour. So over there, right? Yeah. Jesus. So in that same, same aspect, is there anybody that uh, you thought uh, coming up through the, through the minors and, and coming up through there and at the Monday queues that just hasn't, I guess, caught a stride yet on the PGA that you're, you're kind of surprised by. Yeah. Um, I mean, Norman Zhang is probably the, the one that comes to, to the mind the most. Uh, Norman was number one amateur in the world for a long time and uh, played at Oregon. Uh, his coach, um, Casey Martin, who won the, won the case to drive a cart, um, said, you know, he can be as talented as Tiger. Obviously, that's tough, tough to, um, uh, you know, tough to. Uh, you got to live make, up to that. Yeah, live up to that. Uh, he got on the Corn Ferry Tour his rookie year and just played terrible and kind of disappeared. And it's. Like he's on the Corn Ferry Tour now. He won last year, didn't make it to the PGA Tour, but he was, you know, the quote unquote can't miss kid. And uh, he's missed a bunch. And so, uh, you know, it, it works both ways, right? There's, there's like, there's plenty of guys who are Division Two players that no one's ever heard of that have now, you know, had a good career. But uh, there's plenty of, plenty of uh, number one uh, amateurs that are working office jobs or playing mini tours or whatever. I mean, Mark Baldwin played today 
in a mini tour event with Brent Grant, who is a current PGA tour member. And is just like way down the list, not getting into events needed somewhere to warm up. Uh, no event for a couple of weeks. He's playing a mini tour event in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's like uh, people would never guess that never that a PGA tour member is playing a mini tour event in Scottsdale. No doubt. <clears throat> so how come you're not catting with Mark this weekend? Yeah, uh, it's hard to fly out for a mini tour event. Plus, it's a cart event. So it's like. Uh, oh, not bad. Yeah. And mini tour events. I am going to caddy. Q School is coming up uh, in a month, and I am caddying for him there. Nice. Nice. The most, Do you have a favorite uh, uh, Monday Q story that you've covered? I mean, there's funny ones. There was a fight in a Corn Ferry Monday qualifier that I covered that. Uh, I mean, it was the most ridiculous story I've ever heard. Uh, it was a guy uh, and his dad, you know, that that dad. And uh, they they told the guy they weren't going to look for his ball. They got into a verbal argument, then to a fist fight. The kid held him in a headlock and made him say uncle. The dad was waving a putter around so other people wouldn't break up the fight. I mean, it was like I couldn't wow. have – if I didn't hear it, the cops came, people were arrested. The third player in the group was walking down 10 and uh, was being interviewed by the police playing by himself. I mean, it is wild. Uh, so I think uh, I remember that one when you wrote it. I think we might've talked about it on here even. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. It was crazy. It ended up on Fox news and that's it was like just the beginning. And I was like, what has happened? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's guys sleeping in the back of their cars. Uh, Andrew McLean just won the Nebraska Open. He lived in his back of his truck uh, while he was at events for a long time. He's Monday qualified a bunch. Um, obviously, guys like Corey, uh, I mean, he's a top 30 player in the world. It was four years ago, he was playing a Monday qualifier in Texas. So, um, yeah, th there's, there's stories on a week-to-week -week basis. That's what... I love about Mondays is just like there's guys on the backside of the career who get rejuvenated at a Monday or guys you've never heard of or guys who should have made it, but haven't, but find it on a Monday and, and get it going. I mean, again, Russell Knox is a great example. Russell was like dominating mini tours and then would just fall on his face at Q school. Uh, got, got on through a Monday at a, at a corn ferry event, finished second, and you know, took off from there and was one on the European tour and PJ tour and, been a top 50 player in the world. So it happens almost every week. And, and you mentioned that Norman Jong. Um, so he went on obviously a, a major cold streak when he got out of university. Um, guys on the PGA go through the, through the same stuff. I mean, JT, you don't have to look too far to see JT over the last three months. Uh, obviously he had a better weekend last weekend at Fortinet, but it's tough. Like these guys have already cemented their way onto the PGA like Ricky. And those guys have just like they so they have something to fall back on. This guy doesn't. Uh, he goes from being the next Tiger Woods to missing a few cuts probably, and then he's on the outside looking into most events. Right? It's, it's it's such a tough grind, eh? Yeah, I mean Norman. I I walked up to a Monday qualifier. I it was close, relatively close to my hometown, like four hours south of the Rocket Mortgage. I think it was last year, two years ago, and again like. For golf nerds, Norman Jung was like a pretty well-known name. I mean, he was 
number one amateur in the entire world for a long time. And uh, I walked up to the range at a Monday qualifier and he didn't even have his name on his bag. You know, he had a carry bag, just like a regular, he's represented by Callaway, but like it was just a regular Callaway bag, didn't have his name on it. I'm just like, whoa, like this is the, this is the best amateur in the world for a long time. And, uh, and here he is on a, you know, very average golf course. No one bothers him. No one's around him. Didn't have a caddy uh, carrying his own bag. And, and people forgot about him. Like sports fans in general have short memories. Golf fans, there's so many people to keep track of. They really have short memories. And so like, no one's like, I wonder where Norman Jong is. But if I was like, Hey, Norman Jong's here, they'd be like, wow, you know, I can't believe it. So that's kind of a Monday. And then he ironically won last year in the corn ferry tour after Monday qualifying. So, um, you know, it's, like, I mean, again, JT is one of the best players in the world. Couldn't, couldn't make a cut for three months, you know? Uh, right. And, and I'm not discounting his struggles, but it's not like JT needs money. Uh, a lot of these guys go through a period like that and they're like, where do I get my next rent check? So right. yeah. uh, it's a little, it's a little more severe for the players I cover to go through a sump like that than it is for JD. Again, not discounting JT's struggles. Uh, he wants to get back to being it, but he, he surely doesn't have to worry about the financial side of it. Right. Or, or not be able to play in any tournaments because he's done right. so well in the past, you know, I mean, right. he's, he's got no, no worries except his, his ego and to get back to where he needs to be. Exactly. So what's the scoop with him then? Like, can you give us a bit of, bit of insight into what the heck happened to a guy like that or do you know personally or i i don't know a lot i i mean but i mean it's a fickle game brendan todd you know had the full shot full shot yips for a long time i mean he, he did a 70 <laughs> right. he hit he hit seven iron 75 yards off line i mean like uh you know smiley kaufman is now announcing because he has yeah. the driver yips uh so true, true, it's such a true. technical game that you know, uh, Mark or, you know, some, I think Mark might've said it, but he's like, whether I pay rent or not relies on whether my face is completely square when it comes through the ball. If it's off by one sixteenth of an inch, I'm not making any money this, this week. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a wild game. Uh, Roscoe, he said, I bet Norman several uh, times a number of years ago at deep numbers. Should give a shout out to Roscoe, actually, while we got you here. Uh, he's setting up a Top Golf Lake um, driving range facility in, in Manitoba, believe it or not. Uh, there's All one right. in Calgary as well. Um, similar idea, but you'd know from being from Michigan how hard it is to keep uh, playing yeah. golf all year. So we're going to be pretty fortunate to have uh, Shanks driving range open it up this fall for us so what a name for that. what a name that's beautiful <laughs> um and what about the flip side of that um you you see a ton of guys in the golf world um every single day your whole your job revolves around it what are you seeing right now in terms of what guys are getting right in the sport like what's kind of the trend right now in terms of uh mental side fitness whatever that is, are you seeing any sort of trends that are kind of helping guys um, get to that next level of success out there? I think, you know, a lot of the guys I cover don't have money for extra stuff. So, uh, 
you know, it's working out in their apartment uh, workout center. But uh, but uh, overall, a big trend, and this is true for guys, that is the mental aspect of it. Uh, a lot of guys, I, I go back to Brendan Todd. He works with Ward Jarvis, who happens to be uh, a firefighter who grew up without a who grew up with a stutter, kind of faced some bullying and those kind of things. He's kind of like got out of his, and he's not like a technically trained life coach or mental coach, doesn't have a degree, but he's really uh, find his calling in doing this and is, is starting to work with a ton of PJ Tour players. Uh, a lot of guys really? that have struggled. Yeah. What uh, was the name of that guy? Sorry. Ward, Ward Jarvis. He's he's a great dude. You guys could have him on the podcast. I'll happy to connect you, but uh, he has a great story. And uh, Brendan Todd, when he first won, was like, hey, it's not possible without Ward. And so, you know, Ward's career has kind of taken, taken off since then. He works with a lot of guys who struggle with yips or personal stuff or whatever. And uh, so the mental aspect is, is a huge, huge aspect that, that guys have, have started to do weights has gotten, you know, tiger definitely changed the way golf is played, but mm-hmm. he also got injured a lot by lifting a lot of weights. And so, you know, the big weightlifting is taking a little bit of a backseat. People obviously still work out a ton. All players are working out, but the mental aspect is definitely like a huge side of, of what they do for sure. So I just said uh, Bryson too. He kind of uh, balked up there and then realized yeah. that that wasn't working out very well for him. And yeah, and shattered. Yeah, Bryson bad. was eating five thousand calories a day or whatever. <laughs> he got big. What an interesting six months that was. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's trying. What, he's trying to fly the water there. I mean, dude. Oh, that, that was crazy. Like, I mean, what? I don't even. Bryson is. It was. It's basically he was just bored during COVID and started yeah. packing on the pounds. Just like, let's see how big I can get. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. wild, man. It made for some good content, though, for us really and for did. every golf account. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's keep things moving here. Let's talk about some caddying. Um, sure. Maybe so, just be- – sorry, Reggie. Before, uh, before we get into any questions, maybe just kind of talk through – uh, where you're at with the caddying, like what percentage of uh, your day's life, kind of what you're spending caddying. And then we'll ask some questions. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to caddy like five, six times a year, guys. And really, I only do it for content purposes. I mean, I really like Christina. I love Mark. They're both great friends. But I do it to just kind of give people an inside the rope access. Um, uh, it's like... Christina Kim, who I've caddied for two times this year on the LPGA. Uh, uh, she's fine with being mic'd up. We're going to put a video out and she's like cusses all the time and says whatever the hell she wants to say all the time. It's amazing for content. So I only caddy. I, I say this all the time is I love to caddy because I know I don't have to do it again on Monday. Right. Like <laughs> it's hard on your body. It's no fun. Like, if you really want to caddy on the LPGA tour or the PGA tour for guys that aren't at the top of the game, you got to like share rooms with guys. You got to stay in crappy hotels. You got to get up on Sunday after, you know, Christina and I finished T66. It's not like we were having a ton of fun on Sunday. Uh, and then you got to get on a plane Sunday and fly across the country and go practice on Monday. Eh. And so it's a grind for the guys and girls that, that caddy professionally too is a true, true grind. And so I love caddying, but I also love that I don't have to do it the next day. So 
Uh, but it's awesome. It's if I say this all the time is we, my dad and I used to caddy on a mini tour. It's kind of like how I got truly invested. If you can do it, especially on the Canadian tour, they're always desperate for caddies, especially ones that know what the hell's going on and where to stand. They go caddy. It's an awesome experience. And I promise you guys on the Canadian tour are the best players you've ever played with or, and be around. So you, you get great insight into how good those guys are and they can't make it or they haven't made it yet. So right. uh, if you can do it, definitely do it. Obviously LPGA bags and PGA tour bags are not available, but Canadian tour bags are 100% available. Hmm. Yeah. I, so how I did remember, it start? Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Remember on uh, Sunny one, uh, three years ago, there was a Canadian, uh, Alvin Choi. He was caddying for him. Oh yeah. And he was a really good golfer himself, right? And that was Sunday's yep. first win. I remember he was a Canadian on the bag. Uh, yep. I'm and he, sure I mean, he changed it nowadays. I mean, it's a great story. So Albin's back down, uh, like playing here and there, I'm sure he'll go to Q school. Uh, but Albin was a great college player, obviously went through some personal tragedy as his mom uh, died of suicide. And, um, uh, he, um, was not playing and then got caddying at a club, uh, and, and Sung Jay called him and they won two weeks later and, like gave him the finances to start his career again. So, um, yeah, I don't have to worry about that. I definitely am not playing. I don't know. <laughs> so how did you and your dad get into it? Like, did you just decide, Hey, let's go caddy and just pick the tournament and showed up? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, uh, yeah. And I mean, Trevor just said it in the comments, but yeah, any Canadian tour event, most any Canadian tour event is always looking for volunteer caddy. So, I'll give my story. I did it on the Canadian tour before, uh, before it was associated with the PGA tour. Yeah. My dad and I just were like, Hey, let's do it one week. I called, found the, uh, event, uh, on the internet called. And the guy was like, Hey, the caddy master was like, do you know golf? And I was like, yeah, I played college golf. He's like, Oh my God. Yes, please come. And then we do that once or twice a year together. And as it got known that we were out there, Again, people have no understanding of how volunteer caddies often don't know what's going on or they're high school kids or retired folks and they don't have any clue of how to caddy, <coughs> let alone where to stand and all those things. So guys used to fight over us because we just knew anything about golf. It's not like I was doing a ton of caddying. I wasn't giving on yardages or picking clubs or anything like that, but I knew where to stand and they were like super excited about that. I, my dad caddied in a group with Graham Dillette and, uh, you know, it was like, uh, like the, the high school kid was caddying for one of the other players. He didn't know where to stand, you know, walking through players lines, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I was lucky enough to caddy for Ryan Yip when he won on the Canadian tour. And then I've never done caddying full time, but Ryan would have me out to like Q school. If he didn't have a caddy and I could get off of work, I would do it. So, um, Sorry, guys. I'm coughing. I'm about to die. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would get some views. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I I would like if I had a week off of work and Ryan needed a caddy, he would he'd call me out. So it was just great experience, and like, that's what kind of led to this. I love that. 
Yeah, Caddy's got such good stories to tell. I got a book that I'm reading from uh, a caddy on the European tour from like 40 years ago, and it is wild to hear some of those stories. I think it's called Return to the Lynx Land or something along those lines. Yep, yep. And uh, yep. It, just the stories that he tells are are so, so that's, interesting. <clears throat> that's Michael Bamberger, who actually yeah. wrote a book about partly about me just recently. Is called Ball in really? the Air. It's super cool. Yeah. It's about my a three. Yeah, it's called Ball in the Air, and uh, it's about three people in their life in golf, and one of them is me. Wow, oh, awesome! Well, definitely gotta check that out then. Okay, what was it called? Ball in the Air. Ball in the Air. Yep. Wow, that's that's something. Yeah, that is really cool. So for these, um, I don't know, like what the term is, but these lower tours, like, what are you? doing with the player like is there any conversation between you guys like it's i guess depends on what the caddy knows or what they're comfortable with in that situation but uh would yet be reaching out to you and be like hey what are you seeing on this putt what are we yeah um, i mean what do we have for yardage kidding is just a lot of gaining trust uh and when you're with a new player uh you know that takes time uh at the beginning you're not doing anything and then over time they learn what your strengths and weaknesses are. I always say this guys is like, for me, I used to manage a, a group of restaurants. And so managing people is what you do in most jobs uh, you guys know. And so what a person needs, that person might need to be pushed and that person needs to be patted on the back. Ketting is a lot to me. It's a lot less about yardages. Every caddy out there can do yardages. Most every caddy can read greens. There's obviously better ones than others. Uh, but the biggest thing to me is the mental side is like when to, when to stop to shut up and when to say like, all right, dude, you gotta, you gotta like shake that off. Let's get going here. Uh, you know, this is their livelihood. And so I think that's where like Mark and I, and Christina and I, uh, you know, you gotta find your place. I'll I'll tell this stories. I just get it for Christina. It's Sunday. She's struggling. She's not having fun. We're obviously not having fun. And I just told a joke, a very inappropriate joke. And on the like our 11th hole and it can go both ways. Right. She could tell me like, what the hell are you doing? It's Sunday and we're struggling. Uh, but I think I know her enough that like, she needs to just be loosened up. And we just laughed all the way up the hole and she made birdie. Right. And I'm not, it's not because of that joke, but it's just like, you got to find your timing to know when to do it is like when they're mad, sometimes you just got to shut up and they're yelling and they're not at me per se, just in general, this is their livelihood. And uh, you just got to know when to shut up and when to think. So I do for Christina yardages for Mark. He'll have me most players that have been in a long time, read their own putts and get confirmation on ones they don't know. So I probably read like five or six putts around for both of them and they'll, you know, they'll be unsure of it and they're just calling in to confirm. Um, and again, you just got to find the way to, those are my advice to caddies all the time. It's like, you know, if he's like, is this going right or left? And you see it going left or right. You got to word it correctly. So you don't break him because it might go right to left. He can't go like, what are you looking at? That thing's going left. <laughs> it's like, I see where you could see that, but I think it's going left to right. And so it's just all of those things that uh, you got to feel out. Uh, you know, I caddied for Tom Whitney in a, in a corn Ferry event and he's 
military guy, very serious. And he kind of, kind of adapt to it. Mark's the complete opposite. Mark is like, he's like, I want to have serious 30 seconds over the ball, but in between a lot of the stuff I prepare for Mark is like what's happening in the world. So we have conversation to take away the focus from golf in between, like what's happening in the news. We both love stand up comedians. So I watch stand up. I mean, like that's kind of caddying to me is like, Hey, did you see this new stand up from this guy? And so Sunday at Pebble, it's in the most high pressure situation of his career. Like you got to have something to talk about to take his mind off it. Cause that's what he wants. Now, if I was in that same situation with Tom Whitney, I'd, we'd be locking in about what the next shot is uh, because that's what he wants. So that's kind of your job as a kid to just be all over it. Right. And it would change player by player. And you, it's kind of your job to figure out. Uh, yeah. It's like those aptitude tests, right? Like as a manager or a, or a boss or whatever it is, you have to find out what the other person is and then communicate with them properly to accommodate them. And on a scale like that, it's even more important, I think. Um, do you guys have any more questions on caddy and stuff, or should we move on to the social media aspect of Monday Q? I would say probably the social media. Yeah. Okay. So Twitter, uh, Twitter kind of exploded. I guess, first of all, has it always been like, was it one night or one week or one month where you kind of went from, uh, like I say, a nobody to 150,000 followers on Twitter? Was it gradual? Uh, maybe just walk us through that uh, aspect of things and maybe what else you're working on in addition to Twitter, just to kind of kick off the conversation here. Yeah. Um, I never thought it would be a thing. Honestly, I was like, Oh, I'm going to do this again. My son had brain surgery. He was home recovering. Uh, and I, I didn't even leave my job. I didn't quit my job. I took a family medical leave act. I was supposed to go back and that's been six years. I've never gone back, but uh I I literally like I I don't have any social media accounts myself. I never had MySpace for those older folks, never hey, had Facebook, awesome. never had uh, my own Twitter account. So I looked at Twitter, but on the internet, like I didn't have my own account. So I've never been a social media person. Uh and I still don't have those things. I don't have Facebook, my own personal stuff. And so um I, I, my idea for a handle was a case of the Mondays that was taken. I didn't even know there was a character limit that you could have on your <laughs> handle itself. And so Twitter suggested a case of the golf one. No, then I went a case of the golf and then that wasn't available. And a case of the golf one, which is my handle, the worst handle in golf by far <laughs> is, is my handle. And I was just like, Oh yeah, no one's going to give a shit. So I'll just take that. I was like 50 people are going to follow me. I never even thought about followers. It was just like, like I never in a, not one time at the beginning of this, did I think like, what if this takes off? There was never a dream of that. Like not a single thought of that. Uh, and then it started to grow. So I, I just, the first idea was just like to link the, for those that are listening, Monday qualifiers are played on, but are run by PJ tour sections in the area. So they're on different websites every week. So it's kind of a pain in the ass to follow, to find the links. So my first idea was just simply to have a place where you could find all the links. And then I just started telling stories either from my times caddying or a little about the players that got through and it just kind of built. And um, 
Yeah, a, like an aha moment was the PGA Tour followed me when I had like 10,000 followers and I was just like, whoa, like, I guess people care about this stuff. And I mean, I remember calling my wife at work. My wife is a nurse. I called her at work and was like, I have 1,000 followers. And she's like, oh, that's great, honey. You know, like, it's really, I'm sure this is going to take off. And, <laughs> and, uh, and somehow my wife supported us for three years through a global pandemic while I tried to figure out how to make this a living, which I didn't forever. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's been the craziest of rides. Uh, never in a million years did I think about it. But the PGA Tour following me at like 10,000 was like, well, you know. Might, might be onto something here. Maybe I'm onto something, but I didn't know anything about how to turn it into a business or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a wild, wild six years. I also think the fact that you were just fulfilling a need of golf fans by like linking to just making it easier for people. Like that's how they would have initially found you. And then they probably got to know you and, you know, told their friends about you. But that initial point, I think, was probably mm -hmm. from you satisfying a need that was, you know, pissing them off. And, you know, that's usually how people find things on the Internet. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, the two advantages I had is no one was no one's stupid enough to do what I've done. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the the second thing is, you know, I don't have competition. But I also say is we've all been to a minor league baseball game or a lot of us have or a minor league hockey game in Canada, you know, we've been to the OHL game or whatever, but none of us have been to a minor league golf match. People don't know it exists. It's not anywhere. It's not in newspapers. If, unless you're looking for it, it's not on the internet. Like, it's not like people are like, Oh, you know, there's no draft. So you don't learn about Connor Bedard's, you know, junior team and you're like oh well i can go watch that it's just not part of the sports culture so a large portion of it was just oh i didn't even know this world existed like i just mm -hmm. people just didn't think about how people got to the pga tour they're just like oh they're on my tv whereas in every other sport the minor leagues is some part of our culture nfl there's a draft and we talk about his college career you know hockey we talk about juniors so it just becomes part of the the sports culture in golf. It just just isn't. It wasn't, and so people just appeared on the PGA Tour, and people that's like, oh, they didn't even care how they got there. So those are the advantages that I had going for me. No one's stupid enough to cover this, uh, and and no one knew it existed. And so, uh, and I don't really have competition. Some of the mainstream media dips their toes into. One day qualifying, but if you're looking for this side of golf, there's there's one spot to get it, and it's a huge advantage I have, obviously. Very true. I love that. That's you know something that we've as our as our brand we've um, we don't have the same kind of uh, following, obviously, but we try to do things differently because you know that the different paths you go down, the less the competition is like, if you're just doing the same thing as everybody else, like you're not going to stick around very long. So that's one thing that we have tried to do through our couple of years with King golf is just doing things different. And I think that uh, that's a perfect example of kind of how you came to be is just doing something that other people aren't doing. So truly admire that. Cause it isn't easy to do. 
yeah, I mean, you guys know it. You, you're trying to build a business yourselves. It's just like, uh, and you know, it, as I've grown, I try my best to be the person that I was with 1000 followers, mm-hmm. but life changes. And, you know, I get a simulator and people go, Oh, you're big time. And I'm like, no, dude, <laughs> I'm just as excited to have as this, as I would be if I didn't have any followers, but for sure. Uh, yeah, you gotta just remain, you know, I say it all the time. It's like, I do this because I love this. I would, I would be looking at these stories. Obviously I wouldn't be writing or tweeting about it, but if I was like at home and working the restaurant job I had, I would be looking at these stories anyway. I only write the stories I want to write. And so uh, what makes it easy for me is I'm passionate about this stuff. So uh, I would be looking at this stuff if I was at home alone or if I have whatever many followers I have. So it's uh, that's kind of what's worked for me. Uh, people can cool. usually sense that too. They can tell. They can tell pretty easily how, gen- especially after a little while. But you can tell how genuine people are, and if they're faking it or whatever it is, and uh, it doesn't usually last as long when people are acting like that. Um, so that's one thing I wanted to ask you is that uh, you talked about people saying that uh, you sold out or whatever it is. But are there challenges, criticize criticisms that you face day to day? Uh, just from people online, it's a different kind of world online. You almost have to remove remove yourself from that, but it is easy to get wrapped up in there. So, is there are there anything that has stood out in terms of yeah. criticism, challenges, and and kind of how did you go about that? Yeah, I've, I mean, the process has been, you know, I've been, I've talked pretty openly about this. Is it? It's been hard. Uh, like online, people hide behind keyboards mm-hmm. or feel like they can say whatever they want. And I would write a story and there would be a hundred good comments and one bad. And I would just like, I would just be like, how, how does that guy, you know, see this or why would he say that or whatever. And now I say, guys, it's like, I've gotten too used to be calling, being called a piece of shit. You know, it's like, (laughs) I'm just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. That guy's called me a piece of shit. It's just like, uh, like I just write about golf, but I have developed uh, like I've gotten better about letting it kind of roll off my back, but there's, there's ones that sting for sure. And I have written more negative stories now that I'm doing on my own and wrote some cheating stories, wrote some stories about a, a guy who got suspended and there are people around him who obviously feel differently, right? Like agents, companies that sponsor him, there's pressure from those people to, quiet my story. And that's hard to deal with. Like, it's not fun. I don't like, I don't go like, Oh, here's great. I'm going to get a call from X companies. You know, it's like, Hey Ryan, could you not write that? And they're kind of, you know, like, so, uh, but I also going back to independent media, I think it's, those are important stories to tell. So, but, but that's a learning process for me. This has never been my life. Uh, this has never been all these new things. Like I'm writing, more negative stories, not, not all the time, but I have written them. I'm still trying to do the same thing, but like, I am kind of dealing with that and how that, like, I never had to deal with agents who are like, Hey Ryan, you know, what about this and this, or, you know, if this happens, that happens. And it's like, I haven't dealt with idle threats before or those kind of things. It's like, uh, so the, the negative part of it, 
I've gotten somewhat used to, which at times bothers me, like people right. that it doesn't bother me anymore uh, or it doesn't bother me as much. It used to be like, oh, my God, I would write an article and that one that one statement would keep me up at night. Like, you know, I can't believe that or whatever. How could he say that? And now I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, but online is a different world. Uh, and again, I don't, this, the difference is I don't mind criticism. Like if you, it's part right. of my job, you didn't like my story. You want to have a different opinion. I'm all in on that. I don't, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Uh, but just like calling people names and I face one, one thousandth of some of them. <laughs> this is like some of the, uh, people on, on Twitter. So yeah, it, it takes some time to get used to hundred percent. I'd love to sit here and tell you it doesn't bother me. Uh, but at times it bothers me for sure. Which is totally fair. Um, I guess, uh, we talk about social media and, it, and it's completely, I mean, it's explored your brand and it's, uh, enabled you to do uh, things for certain people that you might not have been able to do otherwise had you not uh, gotten so popular in the social media world. Um, I tell these guys all the time about some of the stuff that you do for the less fortunate. Uh, it's absolutely incredible, man. Uh, that's probably what I like, honestly, the most about your account. I love following the stories and I love seeing that kind of stuff. But what you do for the less fortunate, say the high school teams where you get them clubs and, and balls and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's incredible, man. So I guess like, uh, what would be your most memorable? What would you yeah. call that? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Thanks like guys. That. It's, it's been, uh, that's 100% the most rewarding part of what has come of this. Uh, I always say Chris Gallagher is a follower of mine. We never had met, uh, in what in real life or via Twitter, we were Twitter friends, I call it. And, uh, I'd, I'd helped some high school teams out by like just setting up a GoFundMe and getting some money. And he called me and said, you know, this game has been great to me. Uh, he lost his parents pretty young and they left him some money. And uh, he said, you know, I want a legacy for my kids to see what, that we help people who are less fortunate and those kind of things. And he wrote me a, a check for a hundred thousand dollars to start a foundation that gives uh, equipment to high school teams in need. So we took, we don't, we don't pay us. I don't pay myself out of the foundation Not a single dollar goes to anyone besides kids. And so it's not possible without Chris, but it's just super rewarding. Uh, I say it all the time. Like I just had a kid from the first T program caddy for me in the, in the uh, Colorado open, his quote unquote payment was a new set of clubs. He would never be able to afford fitted at golf tech. And now a package of lessons at golf tech, and we don't care what these kids shoot. The high school teams, like the game's been great to me. It's a great way to build personal relationships and build like how to shake hands and those kind of things. And if a kid plays college golf, that's great, but it's beyond rewarding. Uh, we're going to do another high school here in a little bit. Now we have corporate sponsors that help us. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we give, if, if we had to pay for it, obviously we don't, the corporate sponsors give it to us, but the last school we did is happened to be uh, down the road from where I live a blue collar, pretty tough area of, of Northern Michigan. And we gave him $20,000 worth of stuff. And uh, coach 
sent me a message, um, you know, this year and said he had a record number of players show to try out for the golf team. And it's just like, that's great. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm super lucky to be able to do that stuff. That's by far the most rewarding, uh, rewarding thing. So yeah, we're going to continue to help high schools and, um, yeah, it's, it's been a wild, wild ride. Yeah. Like I said, like that stuff is just, uh, that's incredible. I love those stories. I love seeing stuff like that. I mean, there's so many people that, uh, get famous off social media and they use it strictly to their own benefit and, uh, monetize it themselves and just take it all themselves. But you've used your platform to help so many other people. And it's, it's, yeah, it's incredible to see, man. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. I, and shout out to my wife for a conversation as this grew. And again, my wife supported me forever. Uh, she, she just said, you know, you have a platform. Uh, it has to be used for some part of good. Like again, at the end of the day, I write and tweet about golf. I mean, that's insane. Uh, that's, that's crazy that that's my job. I'm sitting in a garage next to my house with a simulator behind <laughs> me. And that's my job. Like if I don't use it for some sort of good, then I mean, that's on me. I, mm-hmm. I don't deserve any credit. I should be doing it. I wish more people did it because uh, I'm lucky enough to have a platform to do it. And, um, and I should do it. It takes up none of my time. It's amazing. I mean, it takes up some of my time, but it takes up none of my, like, I have plenty of hours in the day to do it. uh, And it's super rewarding. I get to talk to coaches, parents that can't afford to pay for their kids or can't get stuff for their high school team. And it's worth it a million times over. So uh, thank you. I, but I don't deserve a ton of credit. I get to tweet and write about golf. And so part of my day, I use it for good and I should. I wish more people would do it. I think, uh, you know, a big part of that is just everybody, everybody wants to, or not, I shouldn't say everybody, but most, most people are good. Most people want to give back. Uh, the trouble is, is you actually have to earn that platform before you have people coming to you like that. So you have, in my opinion, anyways, earned that right to, not that it's your money, but you earn that platform um, you worked your ass off to get there and it came to you and you're doing good with it. And, and I'll speak for all three of us here that it means a lot to us and, and the golf world in general. So, um, thank you, I guess, from, from me and from these guys too. Uh, yeah. anything, Thanks, anything else for, uh, for social media stuff? I got one more question on it, but do you guys have anything else? Give her. Um, so with our brand, like we got a bunch of different things going on. So this is kind of more of a selfish question for us. Um, but what, what steps did you take, I guess, to monetize the brand? You mentioned sponsors. Is there anything else you're doing right now to, you know, put food on the table? Um, how is the new Twitter verified revenue share? Has that impacted you? I'm guessing it has. And, uh, after that, we're, we're, if you don't mind us asking, uh, we were kind of talking about it before the show, but, um, the PGA Fire Pit Collective, you were working with them for a little while. Just maybe give us a quick story on what happened with that. Sure. Uh, the new Twitter uh, monetization is um, I tweeted out, I wish I knew the algorithm. Again, I know nothing about social media. I was like, oh. And then my first one was like $700. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be really? Wow. And 
Since then, it's gone like $15, $24, $68. So I don't know if huh. this, I don't know what the 700 was for, if it was for like three months prior. So the email just literally says like, congratulations, you've earned, you know, this. It doesn't tell you <laughs> what time frame it's from what? or anything. So <laughs> the, the monetization has helped me buy like one beer. Uh, so no, it doesn't help. Uh, uh i'm doing subscription so you can buy a subscription to kind of support it quite frankly like without sponsors i'm not able to make it like but again it's any startup you guys know that it's not easy and it shouldn't be easy and so i have zero complaints we have a little bit of money in the bank and we're doing what we want to do for the most part and we believe i believe in what i've done and what I'm doing going forward. So I believe it'll make money eventually. And if it doesn't, if it all this ended tomorrow, like what a crazy ride it's been. I mean, before I came on, I just sent a message to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, like what? what? Like what has my life become? It's insane. Uh, so uh, there's, there's like, if it ended tomorrow, it's, that would be, I would tip my cap and be gone and be super happy. So, uh, I'm not, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Cause there's sponsors who are paying me and making this work. My wife is amazingly supportive works as a nurse and, uh, I have a, a house and two great kids. And so zero, zero complaints. I'm not making a ton of money. It does. The, there's a lot of, I've always said this guys, like now, obviously there's, I'm trying to make it a business now so I can keep it going. But, but the best part of my life, uh, and my wife and I say this all the time, the happiest time uh, is like, we were broke as, I mean, we were fine. We had a, a house, we had two crappy cars that ran and whatever. But when I wasn't making any money doing this and didn't really just doing it for fun, it was the coolest time of my life. Like I got to tweet and write about golf. I didn't have to worry about meetings or anything. And it's just like, and again, zero complaints about what I'm doing now. It's just, there is a business side aspect to it. Uh <laughs> There is a ton of value in just being happy in your own life. Again, I, I was fine in the restaurant business. I didn't hate my job. Uh, I didn't miss my kids, but I would never go back because I didn't know I didn't miss them. Right. Like uh, I left, there was times I'd leave at six in the morning, not get home till after they slept. And I would just be like, Oh, it was a day. I was like, Oh, I, but now like my kids are right here. I'm going to go put them to bed. And so, there's a ton of value in not worrying about, obviously we have bills to pay. Uh, we want our kids to go to college. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's a ton of value in just doing something you love. And I get to wake up and do that every day. So. Amen. And then as far, what's your last question about you guys? I'm sorry. You guys. No, no. we were just. We were oh, just the just... fire pit collective. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Yeah. I, uh, they, they had they had a set amount of funding and uh, it did, you know, they wanted to, how can I delicately push this? Uh, they had funding. It didn't, uh, it ended at some point. And my choices were to kind of stay on and do what I'm doing now and split revenue with them or do it on my own. And I was just like, I think I'm just going to try to do this on my own and, and see if I can make it on my own. So, 
they I wouldn't they were wonderful. They gave me an opportunity. They gave me my first full time job. Uh, it just didn't work out. And so uh, they were a big part of my career. Uh, they kind of gave me the proof of concept that people were interested in this in a longer form outside of tweets. So no, no complaints uh, just didn't work right. out. So they wanted to, uh, they wanted you to use or leverage their brand, but give them money for that. That was the idea there. I mean, they just had funding and then, you know, the funding went away and our paychecks went away and it was like, Hey, if we want to keep this going, and so let's go find sponsors for you and we'll split it with you. And oh, I was just yeah, like, okay. I uh, I'll just go find sponsors and not do it myself. It anyone. Yeah. So, uh, Seems like a logical play. Yeah. So again, <laughs> they were great to me. They gave me an opportunity. It just, for sure. it was better at the end for me to go on my own. Right. Okay. Uh, let's uh, conscious of time here. I'd say we got about oh, yeah, right. minutes left here. Okay. So we'll talk a little bit about the future, where things are going, and then we'll do a quick rapid fire, and then we'll uh, we'll let you go here for the night, Ryan. So uh, you guys got any questions for the future of the Monday queue? Fair enough here. Uh, so golf's obviously exploded basically since COVID kind of came onto the scene here. Um, what are you most excited about in the future for yourself and, uh, and your brand? Like, do you got... Um, do you got some kind of special, maybe not even just stories, but kind of any other social media works or any media works that are that are coming in the pipeline? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're working on a few things. Yeah, we're just going in telling these stories on a on a deeper level. So, caddying is going to be one of them. Yeah, uh, there'll be a video coming out here with like when I was when uh, Christina was mic'd up. We shot a series that will be out soon of Monday Q versus Monday Q. So it's me versus a pro golfer. Uh, and it really just showcase how good these guys are that you've never heard of. I get, uh, I'm like a decent golfer. Uh, I'm a five handicap. I give, they give me 14 strokes. We play match play. And uh, the first four matches have not, not gone well for me, as you can imagine. <laughs> and, uh, so it really is just like learning about their life and showcasing how good players are that you've never heard of uh, that aren't playing on the PJ tour. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of the future for us is just telling these stories on a more in-depth level, whether that's video podcast, deeper stories, but the the good news about what I cover is there's just endless stories. And so just continue to do that and change with the times as, as they need. Uh, but also not lose who you are. I mean, at the end of the day, just writing a story or a couple of good tweets is, is what has got me here. So I don't want to stray too far from what has got me there. Let's just maybe do it on a deeper level. Yeah. We hope you keep doing what you're doing. It's a uh, great entertainment for us. And uh, it's, it's awesome to see like just every aspect of it. Actually, I, I, these guys probably got sick of me talking about you on the podcast for, for a couple of years. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I'm a golf nerd, I guess. And I don't have the time throughout the day, I guess, to uh, check out the Asher event. I don't have time to go to this. So you're the connection to those. I don't have to go to those sites and check in on that, but I still get to know all the in-depth knowledge of, of everything that's happening on the mini tours. And I think that's probably the coolest aspect of it because it's people that don't have time that they, they 
they want something right now, and that's and that's what you're providing on Twitter. They want it right there. They want the story of this guy who's coming out there watching on Sunday, and they see this guy there. And instead of them having to look back and say, like I do the same thing in like a hockey, like hockey DB and stuff like that. Like I look at that if I'm watching a guy who's getting called up, I get to just go to your account. And everything that I want to know about this guy who's in the hunt on Sunday is there. And you already have a story on him. And it's like, it's exactly what the golf, golf world needs, man. And then further to that, uh, if you do an article on a guy who Monday cues and gets in, now I got to tie to that guy. I'm watching him on the leaderboard. Like, I, I don't know how many rounds of golf I've tracked to Mark Baldwin since I found that you were caddying him and, and everything like that. Like, I, like you said, you want to track guys at the bottom of the of the uh, leaderboard. I go straight to him. I don't really care who's leading at the time. I I really don't. It's going to be one of the top guys that are going to win that week, and it's the same story. But when you can tie to those guys who are who are fighting for their life on the PGA Tour, and now we got AC fighting on the European Tour, uh, it's cool. Like it's a, it's a different aspect of golf, totally different from what they promote on the PGA. And we thank you for uh, doing that for us. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. Uh, I use it. I use the line. My brother says all the time is that if I had this, I have just a ton of useless information floating around in my head. And he said, if you knew this much about space, you'd be an astronaut. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I just have, like, I can tell you who's, you know, leading money list on the G pro tour. And it's just such a useless thing until it's not one time when that guy's, you know, walking down the 72nd hole at a PGA tour event. So, um, yeah, I, I appreciate it. It's, uh, I think we can all relate to guys chasing their dream. Like, like I can't since starting my, on my own, I'll never be a player. Right. Uh, but I can relate on chasing their dream. I chase my dream every day, trying to make my own business. You guys are doing it on, at King golf, right? Like, uh, I might not be able to relate about a guy shooting 65, but I can relate what he's going through. I can relate on a person whose family is sacrificing, whose uh, girlfriend, wife, kids, parents, whoever are sacrificing for that player to be out there. It's happening right now. My wife's putting my kids to bed tomorrow. She's going to go to work so we can figure this out. And so I can chase my dream. So I think that's, what's kind of made it work is that golf can be unrelatable at times it's private clubs that most of us don't belong to and big money and private jets. And we can't relate to any of that. Uh, we can relate to Mark Baldwin who lives in a, in his in-laws parents in his in-laws house right now. Uh, most of his stuff is in his storage unit and he's leading uh, a mini tour event tomorrow that if he wins is $12,800. And I promise that $12,800 means way more to him than the million and a half that Rory's going to win the next week. Like I know it. I know him as a friend. I know what it means to him. Like he's out of money and it happens all the time in golf. Players are out of money. So I guarantee you that 12, eight means more than the one five uh, that Rory's going to win. And so we can all relate to that. Uh, and, and I hope in some way I'm bringing that aspect to the, to the game of golf. Definitely. So I guess you I, say that, oh, sorry. Just Sorry, to, I was just say gonna... we could all relate to that, but like <laughs> everybody can't relate to that, and that's why that's what makes you so special, and that's what makes your account so relatable, and that's why it's yeah. so followable, and you're so likable because you can relate to it. You're not some guy sitting at at Golf Digest who's 
been fed from a silver spoon his whole life who's just writing about the the top players on tour like you can relate to the guys that are grinding and fighting for their dreams and i think that's what makes everything so cool because us golf fans at home are the same way and it's 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 a lot more relatable that way i would say sorry drums yeah i was just going to kind of piggyback to the relating to uh to these guys some of my favorite content in the past year has been benny and if nobody uh if nobody knows who benny is i urge you urge you urge you to go back into uh some of ryan's tweets go back into the history and look up benny talk about this beauty for a couple minutes because there's a million there's there's a million bennies around yeah he is we all know a benny we all know a benny uh benny is was over over today uh and uh benny's putting in my kitchen floor so uh he said he was going to be done four weeks ago but in typical Benny fashion, he like comes and puts two boards down. And then, and then today he's like, Oh, can I see the simulator? And then, you know, then nothing gets done. And, uh, Benny, this is not an exaggeration. Benny lives in a tent, uh, and has a mattress on it. I mean, lives in his truck, uh, and, and drinks and parties and is, is a good dude at heart. And, (laughs) As soon as he gets a paycheck, he's working at a restaurant currently. As soon as he gets a paycheck, he's playing some sort of golf tournament. Like he played this weekend in Escanaba in a big money. Like I wouldn't play in this. No one would like it's $700 a person. And so took his paycheck, went up there, tried to uh, like one, 200 bucks to again, 200 bucks is like 15,000 to most. Like just Benny is uh, in the little town, the little city open that we play in. Benny became somewhat infamous when we were filming me coming back to the city open and Benny showed up drunk, uh, at 7am had flip flops. Like yeah. Yeah. And he said, you know, just hammered drunk and, uh, shot 74 that day. I mean, like just absolutely wasted. And, uh, I mean, he's just, he's a good dude with him. Like, it's just Benny. Didn't he lose? Benny. He like, lost all his shit that floor, night too? I might be in this house for two years and my floor won't be done. Like, <laughs> oh, here's a classic. I didn't. I left out the best part. I left out the best part of the floor. So Benny owes me money. Benny owes everybody money. And so I he put it in the floor. I said, Benny, I'm going to pay you X amount. Part of it's going to go towards your debt and part I'll pay you with cash because I know you need cash, right? Okay, no problem. So I'm thinking I'm going to get a floor that's like, cheap right like i'm gonna get it on like way cheap and benny has great construction skills so he takes out my dishwasher uh and to put the floor under it puts it under puts it back the dishwasher doesn't work so then he goes to my oven he's cutting out the oven he breaks the glass on my oven door okay (laughs) there's three panes there's three panes there's three panes on the oven he breaks two of them now here is Benny summed up perfectly. So my wife texts me and says, Benny just broke the glass on the thing. So I'm here in the office and it's detached garage from my house. So I go over and <laughs> this is so great. And Benny is like, don't worry, I got it. You know, you know, the guy who's like, I got it. I got it. So he's, he's on the phone. And he's talking with Whirlpool or Ken Moore, whoever does our oven. And he goes, and he goes, I got it. And I go, you do? And he's like, yeah, I got it. And so I go, what happened? He's like, oh, I ordered it. I go, how'd you pay for it? He's like, oh, your credit card was on the desk right there. (laughs) 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 
was like, oh, okay, thanks, buddy. Got it. Thanks, man. You got it. <laughs> yeah, you got it. All right. Just like, what? Who does that? And just everybody just was like, oh, that's Benny. He's like, I got it. I go, who are you on the phone with? Like, Kenmore. Oh. So he gets off the phone. I go, how much was it? He's like, $494. I like, just. So the floor, I should have just hired a construction guy because it would have been done. It would all my shit wouldn't have been broken. And I wouldn't like have to walk my floors like this, like torn out floor. And then the floor that Benny's laid and then a carpet over it. So it's like the hill is kind of like this. Uh, it's just classic Benny. I love him. This is that's, that's Benny. Incredible. He's a good dude. Uh, and uh, yeah. Benny needs his own reality show. He'll get out of that tent. It's my, oh, I, I keep forgetting this. It's my tent. It's my <laughs> tent. <in there. laughs> I mean, oh, and one of my sponsors, this is, I, I could go on, we could do a whole show on Benny. One of my Love sponsors it. is Parent, and it's a, it's a, it's like a, a power station. You can run, like, if your power goes out, it could run your uh, refrigerator. Yeah. And so Benny was living in someone else's camper, but the woman came and took her camper back because she needed it to camp. And so now he's in my tent uh, and he has my battery, my parent battery from my sponsor so he can charge his phone and run a space heater. I mean, that is Benny. It's just, it's just Benny. But Benny never doesn't have cigarettes or vapes or Coors Light. Uh, yeah, they find, they find uh, a way to make that work, but... Other things, yeah. uh, Benny is, yeah, priorities. That's I can priority. go on. A, <laughs> I mean, nothing sums it up better than breaking my glass and then using my credit card to order new ones. So, and that was today. amazing. This is just great. That's incredible. <clears throat> okay. Well, I feel like that's a good way to end it. I don't want to get too serious now. Let's do, uh, let's do these rapid fire questions and then, uh, we'll let you go, Ryan. Uh, Red, Red, you want to kick her off? Yeah, sure. So we got uh, 10 questions here for you. Uh, we always do them with uh, special guests that we get on. What's the favorite app on your phone? Township. If it, I mean, like, obviously non-golf related, PJ Tour or whatever. Township is like my mind-numbing game that I use. Oh, it's a game? Yeah, it's like build your own village. It's really stupid. Oh, it's oh, oh like Sims type thing? Yeah, and you don't have to like you can just let it go forever. Like, is there's no like you have to go back. If you don't go back, then when you go back, it's just the same as when you left it. Same as you right, build right. a town, like you have farms and chickens and just like it's so stupid. But it's just <laughs> mind numbing and you get away yeah, from mind it. Mind numbing, exactly. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, you need a little bit in that your in yeah. your life. Can't be too serious. Uh drummy. Uh best purchase you've made this year. Uh, it's not really a purchase. I got it for free, but the simulator is pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, that's sick. It's, uh, I, I mean, obviously I think all of us always wanted one and I, we bought a house, a very needs a lot of fix up. Benny's Benny will fix it. So don't worry, but, uh, he'll be 90 by then, but yeah, right. I'll be 90. Like the woman who left the house. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's probably why her house wasn't done because yeah, she, Benny's still working. she had, I'm pretty sure she had Kenny. Kenny did get yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but they have a, de a detached garage, and so we've turned it into like my office slash simulator room. So, yeah, that's 
that's pretty ridiculous. I was playing Bandon Dunes today, Benny and I. Ooh, wow. What Hit kind of sim is it? I'm sorry? Uh, what kind of simulator is it? Yeah, uh, Skytrack. So uh, Golf Tech owns Skytrack. So uh, Skytrack simulator, it's pretty sweet. It's uh, <laughs> My kids, my kids are ecstatic about it because you can play movies on it. So <laughs> they've become the favorite, the favorite neighbor, neighborhood house because you can play. Like it's a movie theater. The town I live in doesn't even have a movie theater, so pretty excited about what's happening here. That's a good spot for it, then, hey. Yeah. Um, that might be how I monetize Monday Q info going forward. Just charge people movies. This might yeah. be the movie. <laughs> Two bucks, get some popcorn going. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, four bucks a bag for popcorn. Yeah. Uh, what's the best investment you've ever made, uh, either personal or golf related? Uh, if I had extra money to invest in, I would invest in. Uh, what's the best investment I made? Lessons, golf lessons. If it's golf related, it's lessons. I tell this all the time to people before you spend thousands of dollars on new clubs spend money on lessons so uh and now i'm investing in my son getting lessons and it's not from me because i'll go insane trying to teach my own kid how to play golf so <laughs> yeah uh, no doubt i've uh i tried to coach their basketball team and that ended poorly so I, i've hired <laughs> someone to teach him how to golf how old is he now he's eight nice eight nice uh what's the coolest course you've ever played i answer this the same way all the time guys i just love so the little municipal course i grew up on i lived on the third hole my dad and i played my dad would come home he was the ceo of a small company he would come home at 5 30 every day and we'd go tee off on number four and end on number three at dusk we did that thousands of times in our life we played 110 nine hole rounds on average a year I did it since the time I was seven till the time I left for college and uh just always been I live down the road from it now still love to play it it's my favorite course what's the name of it, it. right Alpina Golf Club love that great answer follow up to that though I mean well me and Reggie grew up at uh, a lake called Rossman Lake here in Manitoba and it's the same kind of deal. Me, mom, dad, Reggie, we spent our summers out there instead of them on the on the water. Yeah. Uh, I actually moved back to that same spot last summer from the city. Yeah. And uh, so it's kind of right across from my house now, too. So I would say the same answer. Um, but just as a follow-up there, what uh, if you could give any guy listening to this, I, I'm going to specifically say guys, for like a guy's trip, uh, have you? What would you advise for guys who are looking for uh, either a bachelor party or just a golf trip, a bunch of guys, any uh, inside info on recommendations for that? Here's what I'll say is don't go to, don't go to some, like if, especially for a bachelor party, don't go to like some great golf resort, just like go place. That's going to be fun. Right. Right. Like Bannon dudes is amazing. If you just want to go play golf and like, you know, you're not going to be hung over. You can be a right. little hung over obviously, but like, right not enough to not enjoy how great Bandit sure. Dunes are. For uh, sure. But I mean, like the Carolinas is great from the standpoint of courses are good enough. You can get on them. And if you feel like shit in the morning and don't want to play, it's not like you're missing <laughs> like a great, great course. So 
That's a good call. Pretty, uh, probably pretty good time there too, eh? Yes, for sure. Right. Uh, drums. Uh, what's your favorite golf book? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, my favorite paper tiger is really good. Uh, I mean, uh, paper tigers by, uh, Shane Ryan. It's, it's really good. It's very good. It goes into, it goes into Patrick Reed's life and, uh, tiger. It's, it's really good. It's, uh, I suggest it for a lot of people. Interesting. I've never heard of that. I'm gonna do a callback. I'm gonna do a callback. Who's your favorite comedian? Stand up. Uh, like currently Tom Segura. I mean, I'm like I'm like in a I'm a super offensive like over the line type. Like I swear all the time, as I'm sure you guys have figured out. I swear on here, but I swear I cuss like crazy. Tom is like completely offensive and uh, super funny. Uh, you should start. Po- you can start podcasting with these two guys every Wednesday. I'll take back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, with us too. Have, have, uh, have you watched Shane Gillis? His new oh, one on yeah, yeah. Netflix. Yeah, really he's, good too. Yeah, very yeah, and good. He's pretty, pretty sideways yeah. too. Pretty offside. Yeah, I mean Chappelle as a like, and Segura is hilarious. I mean, uh, yeah, anybody who's like super over the line is uh, Sarah Silverman. With I saw her in. Uh, I saw her in the Chicago theater. I'll never forget. And she opens with a joke that I won't even repeat because it's hellaciously like offensive. And at the Chicago theater, you can buy like season tickets. And this old couple next to me, like, was like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, she just opens with this joke about, about like a horrible thing. And these poor couple was like, this, the look on their face was like they obviously didn't know who Sarah Silverman was and just came, and uh, it was it was wild. So yeah, she yeah. is offside too. Yeah, perfect timing. Yeah, I feel like uh, comedy's t- had a rough ten years here, so I really appreciate anybody who's uh, there's yeah. not many left who are crossing that line, but that's yeah, who I agree. No, it's coming. It's coming back now, like major. Oh, is it? Good. Yeah, Netflix is actually doing something good. So, pendulum swinging back like we hoped it would. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what's your favorite golf movie, Ryan? Uh, probably Tin Cup. I know it's very cliche, uh, but um, yeah, Tin Cup's good. I mean, that's that is kind of what I cover. I mean, obviously taken to an extreme, but uh, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's kind. It's kind of. Uh, there's many scaled down versions of 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 tin cup out there, right? For sure. And here, side note, Monday there's a Monday qualifier played on the course where they shot tin cup, and there's a plaque in the middle of the I caddied for Mark in it, middle of the like 14th hole, and it it's the it's the shot on 18 when he the keeps water hole? in the water. It's That's in Texas. Unreal. Yeah, it's like hole 14 and it's it looks nothing like obviously it's many years, but like you can see it once you look, but you would never like if you were playing that hole and didn't know everyone at the course talks that it's tin cup and there's a right. plaque in the middle, like and it's a par four, it's not a par five, and like uh and it's like way back, but 
uh, yeah, you would never know it if you if you just played that hole. You'd be like, you would never think like, oh, this really? is the hole. So that's, uh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, and you and you have to you have to like everybody in the practice round like puts a ball down at the plaque and tries to hit it onto the green, and so unreal. That's yeah, super cool. so a little, I saw the, little inside Monday Monday queue. I saw Liv's doing that with uh, some of their stuff. They're trying to go recreate moments in the yeah in the, uh, yeah yeah kind of cool. Um, next up, who do you think is the greatest ever to play the game? I mean, it's a unanimous in this uh, on this podcast. Tiger. But I'd like to yeah okay good. Tiger's the greatest to ever play. Okay, yeah. who's two then? I'm sorry. Who's two then? I mean, I think it's probably Jack, but I don't know. Yeah, it's probably Jack. But who cares who's two? Tiger's one. Yeah, <laughs> that's our guy. Nice call. <laughs> There's probably a ton of great golfers who came before Jack and Arnie that we don't really understand yeah. how good they were either. <clears throat> yeah, agreed. Uh, we should give a quick shout out to Auntie Kim. She's uh, a watcher of the show and the podcast. She apparently hasn't watched it live for a while. She says, great episode, and I would – Totally agree with that. So shout out to Andy Kim in Pincher Creek, Alberta. Drummy, what's the next one on here? Uh, so you said you were a five. Is that what you said, handicap? Yep. Yep. Is that the lowest you've ever been? Uh, I was a scratch at one time, but kids and the chipping yips have uh, have really, really affected my game. Hampered that. Yeah. So right. <laughs> it's for a long time. Like I didn't play for, especially when my son was sick and, didn't play at all. So there was like an eight, 10 year stretch. I played like two, three times a year. So, and then, mm. I mean, even now I play like 15, 20 times a year. And so, uh, and, and I have the chipping yips. So you still got them. Oh yeah. I have had them for a year. I can't get rid of them. So have you talked to Ward? I I've, <laughs> I've talked, <laughs> I'm, I'm chipping one handed currently. So that's where we're, that's, <laughs> we're in dark places. You're we're deep. Like, yeah. We're, we're in, we're in the shit right now. <laughs> There's no, I'm not sure I, I can re- ever recover. I just got to hit greens. As soon as the ball goes in the air and it's going right or left of the green, my anxiety starts. And mm-hmm. just like, not have a good you talked to Happy Barn Rap? <laughs> yeah, I talked to, I, I played could you my get the tides, Could you get the tie spinner going? Yeah. <laughs> I talked, I played in my city open. I was 200 through four and uh I was in front of the green on a par five. I'd like 30, maybe there was, I was maybe like seven or eight paces off the the green for Eagle. And the pin was like tucked close. I had like 30 feet for Eagle. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to chip this. Ended up with a bogey on that hole. The next hole I almost drove and ended on a double on that hole. Like I literally should have been four under through eight and I was one over. And I was like, this is is not good. If you would have seen my ball striking, you'd have been like, oh, that guy shot 65, shot 79. (laughs) It makes it way more. I'm a great partner. I'm a great, like, pro-am partner or, like, uh, best ball partner because I'm a five, but I'm probably, like, better. And it's easy for me to pick up uh, when I skull a chip. So, like, 14 holes around, I'm going to be okay. And four holes are going to be Jeez. pretty ugly, and I'm going to probably oh, shoot seven. That's going to be frustrating as hell. Yeah, I hear you. Um, who's the coolest playing partner that you've played with? Uh, besides uh, your dad, of course. Well, as a cat, I'll use this as a caddy 
one uh, caddied with fluff uh, at the AT&T. So the AT&T is a three day cut because you had to play all three courses. So you're with your first part, your first grouping for three days. Uh, Peter Jacobson was retiring. That was his first PGA tour event. He came back to play his last fluff was on the bag his first. So he brought fluff back and fluff was like, so cool. I'll tell two stories for those that are listening that have heard these. I'm sorry. Uh, cut day is Saturday at this event. Cause you're playing three Mark is on a sponsor's exemption. Obviously cut means the world to him. We're like around the cut line. He buried the first two holes on Saturday. We're on the par five 12th. We started on the back and there's a, a Creek that's like 300 carry down the right. We had wind behind us, Mark super long. And we were deciding between three wood and uh, driver. I thought it was driver, but I didn't push hard enough. Mark is over it with the three wood and then changes to a driver and then smokes it over. And so as we're walking up the fairway, uh, I go, Hey fluff, should I have pushed harder for the driver? And he just took a big long drag of a cigarette and looked at me and said, when you got a gun like that, you let it go. <laughs> I was just like, Oh, it might've been the greatest moment of my life right there. <laughs> That's uh, crazy. Yeah. That guy's an icon, man. That's yeah. so And cool. he doesn't say much, but uh, so another one is 18. Uh, the first day I've, I'm carrying the flag and Jacobson has a little tap in for those that have not caddied, like usually the last player who's in caddy replaces the pin. So I went to hand him the flag. No, I went to, he held out his hand, but it was a tap in. So I was just going to put the flag in anyway. And he goes, no, I want the flag, jackass. You know, it was like funny. And then he like replayed it the third day, kind of the same scenario played out. And I went to ha- shake his hand. No, uh, no, hand him the flag this time. And he goes, no, I'm, I want to shake your hand. You put the flag in. I've been out here for it. It's just like, oh, that's hilarious. really good. Just playing mind games with you. Yeah. Was so was that big fluff or was he skinny then? No, he's skinny. Yeah, he's super yeah. skinny. He's got a young kid. He's got a kid in college. So I was like, how long are you going to do it? And so I can't, I mean, it's stunning. He can still walk. I mean, those courses are not easy. No, and no kidding. Especially four days of that in a row. Yeah, he's <laughs> hucking it. Okay. Last question, Reggie hit us and then drums. You can take us out of here. What's the, uh, what's the best interview you've done to date? This one, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Likewise. Yeah, likewise. It's true for us, but who's your favorite actor? Very true for us. Uh, I mean, I was uh, – I mean, there's a lot of surreal ones. I've been on Golf Channel like four or five times, so I've had different hosts, Shane Bacon, uh, Eamon Lynch, uh, Damon Hack, uh, Chantel McCabe. So it's just kind of surreal. Again, guys, like I always say this is – never expected this to be a thing. So if I ever get used to being on golf channel, uh, then it's time, time to quit. So anytime I've been on golf channel has been pretty surreal and pretty crazy. Who's the favorite, who's your favorite guest you've had on your show? Um, if people could go watch after like, where would you, which one yeah, would you send them to? That's a, that's a really good one. Uh, Probably Brady Calkins. Brady's like the John Daly of many tours and played on, on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, I'll tell I'll tell the story. I give a speech. I have had 
clubs coming and giving me a speech. This is my favorite story. One of the first, like, it wasn't a negative story, but Brady has, uh, Brady's like the John Daly of many tours. And so there's plenty of stories out there. He qualified for the U.S. Open. And I just told his story. Like, he would, I'll be out drinking at a strip club till 4 a.m. and then show up at 7 and set the course record. And, like, just tons and tons of stories like that. And he was very open and honest about it. And so I wrote the uh, the article just as that, like, hey, this is Brady Calkins, unapologetically. It was called Unapolog- uh, Unapologetically Brady. Like, he just is who he is. He chews tobacco and drinks and parties. And he does that way less now. This is back in the day. But uh, this is, like, two years ago, three years ago. And uh, so I write the story on, like, a Tuesday. And I show up. I was at the U.S. Open. I show up. Wednesday and the first person I run into is Brady. It was like not a negative story, but it was like, you know, there's a lot of salacious stuff in there. And uh he's on the 10th tee and I'm like standing over by the ropes and he's walking towards me and I was like, well, he could punch me. And uh and he just went, I fucking loved it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like yeah, that's good. <laughs> Perfect. That's good. Yeah. You really could have went one of two ways. That's, yeah. that's good have went that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's well, awesome. I good think, uh, I think, I think Brady absolutely said it best. I fucking love this um, as he did. So uh, I, no, I don't know if I'm speaking for all of us. You guys can talk to, but uh, a huge thank you uh, for coming on. And again, um, to repeat it, thank you for what you're doing. It's just, uh, it, it's super fun for us to follow along, as uh, I'm sure it is for everybody else that follows you. Um, we're going to continue to keep uh, to keep following you as long as you keep doing what you're doing. Thank you again. Guys, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll be uh, be pulling for Aaron, as always. Yeah, it's been uh, – I'll let Reggie kind of wrap things up here because he's the guy who got you on here. He's the guy who's been uh, paying the closest attention to you. But I personally really enjoyed this interview tonight, Ryan. Uh, respect the hell out of you for what you're doing. I hope you keep doing it. Hopefully we can work together someday again, whether it's an interview or whatever that looks like. Uh, I can tell that how great of a guy you are through the, through the screen and uh, appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, I'm a big sports, not big sports tracker. Looked up to your account basically since the beginning. I've, I've been following along. This is uh surreal experience for us uh you never know what kind of guy you're gonna get when you see a guy on twitter you don't really know who's behind the scenes you've exceeded the expectations by 100 times thank you so much for coming on man we uh really appreciate it guys thanks so much i appreciate the time it was a lot of fun keep doing what you're doing and uh anything i can do let me know thanks Thanks, appreciate that thanks for everybody for tuning in tonight and uh we'll see you next week that's it we're out of here Peace out, boys. Love you. Love you, fellas. See you, boys.